I'm Dan, co-founder of Grit Performance, and today's guest uh, on the Grit Performance show is our director of programming and chief sports engineer, John Sinclair. So he's the mastermind behind all of the exercise programming that you see on our platform. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, John's athletic background uh, and, of course, his background in coaching young athletes for the last 20 plus years and why we really started Grip Performance and some of the issues that we're trying to uh, combat by building this Grip platform uh, and giving world-class exercise coaching uh, to athletes all over the world. So uh, enjoy the show. Please leave your comments. Uh, like our Facebook page. This is where all, this, all of our content here uh, goes down. And um, yeah, look forward to seeing you soon. Bye. So welcome, John. Thanks for having me, Dan. All right. Well, I want to start out, John, like I start out with all our guests, and just give give me a little bit of background on you, and in in particular, your kind of background in sports and growing up, and how, how did you use sport growing up? Okay. Um, well, I grew up in a small town in Saskatchewan called Lucky Lake, Saskatchewan, and um, there wasn't really a whole lot to do there other than to get out and run around and play. So um, between living in a, another town called Beachy, that's where I started my elementary school was in Beachy, Saskatchewan. And then in grade five, I moved like 20 minutes down the road to Lucky Lake, Saskatchewan. And so that community was really driven. Um, it's a farming community. And so my dad worked in the grain elevator. My mom was a, is a registered nurse and and it was big farming community. So the farmers everywhere and sport was kind of like the thing that kept everybody out of trouble. So um, I was fortunate enough. My dad was a really good baseball player and he worked with a, uh, he was part of the senior men's baseball team. So he had access to all the baseball equipment. And then he also, um, because it was a small community of 300 people, just about everybody has access to the rink and, and knows the rink attendant off uh, by first name and everybody knows everybody. So we had access to go to the rink and skate as much as we wanted. Um, I always joke that, we would even skate between periods of the other kids playing of the other kids games. And we'd skate around the Zamboni. That was back when no one cared if you got hit by a tractor or not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But really I grew up, you know, playing sport all my life. Uh, When I got into high school, I competed in 11 different sports in the same year. And I would do that over and over again. And so my life was really directed around sport and activity because I didn't really want to be a farmer. So um, I elected to, um, I got fortunate enough to apply to the University of Alberta. And when I got to the University of Alberta, I went there to study physical education. And so my degree is in physical education. And from there, I kind of was on the path of athletic therapy and kind of the sport performance path. And um, I got to spend a couple of years working at a physical therapy clinic right out of university. And then I got um, hired to work for a junior A hockey team after I got out of school and um, started working doing power skating and athletic training and strength and conditioning for a hockey team. And that's kind of where my start in coaching began because I'm not really counting that the fact that I coached my brother's baseball team, but um, <laughs> it was, you know, all my life I've been playing so many different sports that um, you know, I think it lends to the opportunities that I've had over the last little while in learning how to 
not only coach individuals, but I've been able to make a career out of my passion, which is sport. So, um, you know, now I own a facility. I live in Sunrise, Florida. Um, I'm a co-owner of a facility down here in Sunrise, Florida, and where I spend all my day coaching young developing athletes. So it's uh, it's a pretty cool place. It's been a long road. Uh, I've been doing this for over 25 years now as a coach and um, learning every day and get the opportunity to apply it to really great kids and help them get onto their next path, which primarily down here in South Florida is getting kids ready to get accepted into uh, college programs. Right, right. So as as director of performance for for Grit, we just so everyone knows out there, uh, John's the one who is programming our entire platform. So any any exercise or workouts or work ins you're going to see on that platform are are coming from John. But I'm just curious, John, if you could let the folks know some of the some of the folks you've worked with in the past um, in this space, just to kind of give an overview of of uh, who it is that's developing these programs for for our athletes. Yeah, sure. So. Um... I guess probably my first kind of job was working with a junior A, junior a hockey team. And then I ended up working with the University of Alberta Golden Bears, more as an athletic trainer's assistant, um, and then graduated into starting to work um, in the private sector for a while. So I worked with some um, pro athletes, amateur athletes, Olympic and Paralympic athletes, um, and then I had the opportunity to become a strength and conditioning coach for the Toronto Roadrunners. I did that virtually. So I would write all the programming while I was living in Edmonton while the, while the team was in Toronto. Um, and then during the NHL lockout, um, the team moved from Toronto over to Edmonton. And I became the strength and conditioning uh, professional for the Edmonton Roadrunners during the NHL lockout year. I think it was of 0405 yeah. or 0506, something like that. And then um, I also got the opportunity to work with the Edmonton Rush when um, now they're the Saskatchewan Rush of the National Lacrosse League. They were in Edmonton, so I got to coach them for, I think, two years. And as part of, you know, being part of those teams, I got to work with some really phenomenal athletes. So I got to coach Jarrett Stoll and Mike Bishai and uh, Nate DiCasmero and... Um, Rafi Torres and there's lots of guys on that team that went on to play Toby Peterson they went on to play in the NHL um, and then in the National Cross League I always say like probably the most um, talented and goofy guy I ever got a chance to coach was um, uh, Jimmy Quinlan from the Edmonton Rush um, this was a guy that was not only probably the hardest worker on the team but he also was um, one of the most talented lacrosse players I ever watched. And he was also the clown. So that was like a rare combination that you have like the, the most talent, the hardest working and also the clown in the room, you know? Right. So he, he was a really special guy and he was uh, coaching last time I checked, he was coaching the uh, defense for and transition for the Saskatchewan rush when they were winning their championships down there. Cool. Um, and then when I came down to Florida, I got the opportunity to work with, um, some professional tennis players while they were still developing and then they entered into the professional tennis world. Uh, I've had the opportunity to coach over just a one month period. I coached Alina Spitalina um, of the WTA and helped her kind of rebound the last bit of her tennis season 
And after a month of coaching with me, she won the WTA finals and uh, which is kind of like the, the fifth major, if you will, of a tennis championship. Yeah. It's the last tournament of the season. So only the top eight um, women in the world play in that particular tournament. And she did that in Singapore and, and won it, which was pretty cool. That was my first experience of actually coaching a professional tennis player for a particular tournament. So it was pretty fun. Um, so yeah, I've had, I've had lots of opportunities to teach different people in different sports um, and be able to coach and program for them, whether they're developing or if they're already at the professional level. So yeah. Awesome. And right now I work with a lot of kids that have now jumped into college programs. So I'm um, really proud of the fact that we've got some kids now into some military academies. So I have uh, one tennis athlete that I coach that is now part of uh, uh, West Point. So the U.S. Army at West Point. And just the other day, one of the kids that uh, you'll probably see on my Instagram and stuff like that, um, Gunnar Schwartz, he just got um, committed to the U.S. Naval Academy. So getting the opportunity to do some stuff, uh, getting kids prepped for the military has been pretty cool, too. That's amazing. Well, and that's a good segue into to my next question that I kind of want to get into the grit performance platform. But mm-hmm. um, let's just start with working with so many young athletes. I know you and I have talked in the past about some of the issues that we've seen um, in the industry or just in the ecosystem itself uh, mm-hmm. around how how some of these young athletes are training, how they're getting advice from coaches, uh, whether the coach has the best interest in mind when they're giving that advice all of those things. So what, what type of issues are you kind of seeing right now in that space? And uh, then we'll jump on how grit's going to try and solve some of these problems. But what are, what are the issues you're seeing right now? Uh, the first and foremost um, has been early sports specialization. Right. Um, we're seeing kids that are only practicing one sport now. And that would be the first thing that jumps out to my mind is, is the biggest problem where kids are playing only one sport and they're also doing it year round. Right. And so they aren't getting the opportunities of learning a host of different types of skill sets from playing other sports. Right. And so we've got, we get kids that I get approached to, Hey, can you train my eight year old? I was like, well, yeah, I can, but he, he'll learn a lot faster if he's actually just out playing with his friends and, and taking up a different sport so that he can learn different motor skill sets and, and be able to, um, transition that athleticism over time, you right. know, by practicing different, different things. And so that's one of the solutions that we're trying to come up with is if parents don't have time to take their kids to multiple sports, because, you know, when I was growing up, everything was pretty much housed at the school or, you know, you had hockey and baseball that was outside of school, but everything else was at school. And so um, it was easier for me just to stay there after school and practice long jump or practice discus or um, do a hundred meters, do hundred meter sprints after school. I mean, didn't really need a lot of um, attempt or there wasn't a lot of structured practicing, I guess is what I'm trying to say is that, you know, we would just go out and just practice stuff. Coach would teach you something. You'd go grab, ask if you could grab the discus and you'd go out there and you'd practice and you'd throw for an hour or two, you know? Yeah. Um, but now we're starting to see that more and more kids are going to too many structured things and that because most of these coaches are being paid directly from the parents, then there's a fight, not really a fight, but there's a competition between who gets the kid at what time and 
And, you know, are they going to come for throwing practice? And then on Tuesday, they're going to hitting practice. And then they're going to come see John on this day. And it becomes this schedule that they're constantly having to balance and having to try and get the best that they can to try to improve their skill sets. And when I was growing up, dad just said, grab a, grab a five gallon pail of balls, walk to the ball diamond hit until I come pick you up. Right. (laughs) Right. And you just, and we figured out ways to keep ourselves entertained. My brothers and I would put pop, you know, the old paper uh, Coca-Cola cups. Yeah. You know, the paper and waxy paper ones, we'd stuff them in the, in the chain link fence and then get 10 balls each and we'd see who could knock the cup out of the fence, you know? And so yeah. we would create our own games and our own strategies to try and keep ourselves entertained and, and to do different things. Well, I hear Whereas you now me. everything is so regimented from yeah. hockey practice. Like we would just go skate for three, four hours at a time and come well, up with all different kinds of games. Like we would be like, let's not play the puck today. Let's play the tennis ball. Let's right. play the rubber puck or right. You know, let's play football on the ice. We'll throw the football instead of playing with our hockey sticks and we'll skate and play football, you know? So those were things that we had the opportunity to do that kids aren't getting nowadays. And I think it's stunting their athletic development without doubt. Well, yeah, you you see it. And I I have a great anecdote with that. I remember going out to uh, play some shinny with some kids and I did the, okay, guys, throw all your sticks in in the middle and I toss some sticks to the side. They didn't know what the hell I was doing. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, yeah. your stick's over there and yeah, that team. And if you, your stick's over there. And it just happened that there was – I put four defensemen over on one side. They didn't know what to do. They're like, well, what is our position? Like, what are we supposed to do? So uh, I was like, that's a shame. You can just do whatever you want. And these were, you know, 10, 11-year-old kids. So I hear you on the, on the structure piece, and we just tend to be yeah, overdoing it a little bit. Um, well, you're even you're even seeing it in pro hockey now too. So if you actually watch the game, you'll see that guys just look like they're like this. Yeah. This is the way that they've been taught to play, right? And then if it's outside the way they're taught to play, they're kind of lost. Yeah. They've lost the creative creativity to. I mean, the really great ones will still know how to find time and space, but you know. It, it gets kind of frustrating watching people just slap around at a puck because they don't know how to create space. They put it into one area of the rink and and just slap it around until the puck comes out and someone happens to be open for a pass. So, um, you know, I think the lack of creativity is hitting these guys. Once they are talented enough to get to that level, it's challenging for them because everything they've learned has been so structured that most sport is played in a chaotic environment. Right. And so if you have organized chaos and it's too organized and structured that when chaos ensues, it's, it's hard to adapt to it. If you've never been allowed to adapt, because if you're constantly being taught, I need to follow this strict strategy. Well, anything that falls out of that strategy, if you aren't trained to be able to adapt to that and be able to pick things up on the fly and be able to create on demand, you're going to have struggles. And it's, so it's not only just, how we play the game, but it's even biologically. If your body doesn't know how to create on demand and be able to recognize being out of control, that's when injuries ensue. And so I spend a lot of time doing rehab with young athletes that have tore ACL tears or ulnar collateral ligament tears in their elbow. And it's because they, they haven't been conditioned and prepared in their development to be able to handle chaos and unpredictability. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, that's another great uh, segue into my next question. And let's get into the actual, let's talk a little bit about athletic development and, and training itself. As you know, I, I did a bit of a tour around the Rocky Mountains here, speaking with a lot of coaches and parents. And one of the big, one of the big things that really came up was my, my son or daughter has been in this sport for four or five years and they've had seven or eight different coaches that have told them sort of seven or eight different things uh, around how they should be training. Um, and there's a lot of confusion there. There's not really a lot of consistency and stability. And that's really what we're trying to create at Grit is a platform where these athletes can come and have some stability in it, particularly in this incredibly unstable time in, in our history uh, yeah. to, to have a place to come and, and have a consistent voice and um, real uh, knowledge uh, that they'll walk away with after being on our platform. So just talk a little bit about how you put together the grit platform from a programming and training standpoint and why it's so important for, uh, every athlete to get on it. Well, the, the biggest challenge that we've always had is that like you're saying where there's, um, competing ideologies of development yeah. and biology is pretty much I wouldn't say completely set in stone, but there's a, a normal pathway in which biology adapts over time. And it's 100% dictated by your environment. And it's dictated by um, what you're, how you're challenging the body to adapt. So there's a principle called specific adaptation to impose demand. Biology will adapt to whatever demand you put upon it. But here's what's crazy about it is that biologically speaking, we are all unique and individuals. Right. And so that's the individuality principle. And so everyone's going to have some particular way in which they respond to it. Um, there are some people that have what we would say God-given talent for sport. And then there's other people that have to work really hard at it. So there's the easy gainer in terms of learning a motor skill. And there's some kids that struggle with picking up certain motor skills at certain times during their life. What's consistent is that most people, not me, but most people go through a growth spurt. <laughs> I never did. <laughs> so I was actually, I missed, yeah, I'm hoping to get it. I'm 44. I'm hoping to get it sometime soon. Right. Um, but I never had a massive go growth spurt like some of my friends did where they, you know, went through this growth transition and then got, kind of uncoordinated and clumsy and or more challenged. And um, I don't really recall a lot of my friends being super challenged with it because again, all of us played lots of different sports. So it kind of mitigated that, um, that poor coordination challenge that happens with growth spurts. But we're seeing, I'm seeing it more and more now where kids right. that are stuck in one sport and then they go through a growth phase and they're suddenly way slower than they were before. And then they get frustrated. And then the coach tells them you're, you're 40 times too slow. You need to start practicing your 40 time. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not what biology wants right now. Biology wants to take a little break, right? And so your connective tissue is not going to have the same elasticity that it once did because now your femur has grown two inches and right. now the tissue is more taut and it's less elastic. So by trying to introduce load that 
and, and velocity, which are two terrible things that you want to do. They've grown, so they've increased their body mass. And then you've asked them to increase their velocity when it doesn't want to have happen. That's when guys will ping their hamstring or, or tear their ACL or what have you because their, their tissues are not compliant with that level of pathway. Right. So that's a long way of saying that we have different segments of adaptability that need to be put into place over time. So we have four different flags or summits on this mountain, if you will, that you have to get to in the first one, and we call it get going. And that's really about um, teaching your body some kinesthetic awareness. So being aware of where I am in time and space and that my body can be very efficient at moving just my body weight in time and space. And then improving coordination skills and motor skills and sports specific skills all kind of fall into that that first kind of flagship program that we put in from there, we go to the next flag and it's called ramp up. And that program is really driven around. We're going to start to increase the complexity and challenge of the movement skill itself and start to introduce some load. And so you've now spent some time, possibly it could be a year for you. It could be two years for you at the love at our get going program depending on your age and your movement ability. And we have an onboarding process that people will get to answer questions and kind of get an idea of where they're going to start off on the mountain. Right. And then we go into the next one, which is in slightly increasing complexity of movement, but not so much that because usually those people that fall in that range are those people I'm talking about that are going to be starting to go through some of those growth spurts. So we want to try to improve a couple things. One is the elasticity of the connective tissue system, because when we go through growth spurts, we lose elasticity and then people now start to say, well, he's lost flexibility. He needs to be more flexible. That's well, right. you're not going to be able to change the connective tissue system at this point in time. It's laying down more collagen. It's being stretched and it's too taut. There's nothing you could do to actually stretch it to allow that to happen. So we have to teach them good sound movement principles that their body will start to learn how to load and be elastic again. Um, and then in the third one is now we're, you're kind of more in, we're intensifying the program. So now we're adding more load, more velocity in, into some of these movement skill sets. And again, like it's still trying to take your athleticism to another level. So we're going to start to put in all the coordination patterns that we've been building over this period of time and now be able to do multi-sensory things at the same time with it. So um, I have a rule, it's not really a rule, but it's a, it's a definitive statement to say is that you can't play sport without having good eyes, good hands, and good feet, right? Like there isn't a sport you can't play without your hands, feet, and your, and your eyes working together. So we want to be able to challenge that capacity to be a, do multitude of different types of movement skill sets um, and then combine that with velocity and load, right? And then our last one is really designed for those people that are um, probably playing already at an elite level. They're maybe at, if we're using hockey as an example, they're probably at a double A AA or triple A level of hockey or they're into their junior or college or pro level. And these are the kinds of athletes that, um, you know, they, they probably spend most of their time just in that one sport, although most athletes do, but really dedicated to it. So we have to have more of a seasonal approach to it. So we want to be able to have them go through what a training that would happen in their season, right. but then what would they do in the off season and what is their transition season so that we can prepare them to be able to take care of the rigors that come from playing only one sport 
and competing in one sport at a very high level. And so we have to balance how much training we do with how much recovery we, recovery we do, right? Excuse me. <clears throat> so what we've done is we've tried to balance out, well, here's your training program or workout of the week. And then we have a work in of the week. So work in is basically a recovery session, how to build energy back to the body and let it recover. Because with any training bout or any training stress that we do, there is going, the body is going to break down from it. So whatever we put, we take out of the body, we got to put back in. And so that's how we balance it out with the training. So there's a little kind of example of how we would take you from onboarding with the platform and then how we would take you through a stage of development, which could be from the time you're 12 years old to the time you're in your mid twenties. It really just depends on where you want to go on this path because sport itself is something that you can do for the rest of your life. If you are willing to listen to the body and let it be able to recover. And because most, most people finish their athletic career and they're broken. And, we'll, and that's, that's because they, my next, they abused uh, it. Right. My next question. And actually we'll, we'll dive into that, but I want to, I want everybody listening to kind of understand how the onboarding process works with the grip platform. So when, when you get a membership to the grip platform, you'll automatically go into our get going, our sort of foundational program. You'll be in there until you have a meeting with one of our grip coaches, uh, a free consult, and you'll work with them to figure out where you're going to fit in that, those four categories that John just laid out. And then once you're in the platform, you'll get a weekly workout and a weekly work in that you can follow along and you'll find your favorites and probably go back to them and, and uh, keep progressing along. And as you start to feel as either the parent or the athlete that uh, the athletes ready to maybe move on to the next level, we'll have some uh, self-assessment forms you can do and submit to, to bump you into the next level, or you can, uh, go ahead and book a session with one of the grit coaches and uh, they'll do an assessment with the athlete, which is probably the better way to go, to be honest, mm -hmm. um, and see if they're ready to kind of progress into that, to that next level. So the platform itself is going to give you access to all these uh, workouts and work-ins. And then of course you'll have um, the ability to get one-on-one -on -one coaching from grit coaches. If, if it is something that you want to, uh, to pick up on. So, um, sorry, John, I sort of cut you off as you were, as you were moving into, um, the next piece there. Do you just want to continue on? No, thanks, Dan. That was a perfect segue, actually. Um, our, our challenge that we're having with, um, I think trying to get the kids to, I would say, how do I say delicately? Um, try to get them to one destination so they can get a consistent message is that we have conflicting ideologies on what's happening from different coaches all over the world. That's right. And so <clears throat> we're not saying that we're right and they're wrong. What we're saying is we're going to have a consistent developmental message and pathway for your son or daughter. And so what we're trying to accomplish through this is have a particular methodology in which it is really focused on building athleticism over anything else. So we're not um, here to instruct the athletes through the platform. 
we have an opportunity to do that. If you wanted to work with a coach, you'll have access to be able to work with a coach more specifically for the needs of your um, athlete and of your child. But really what we want to do is have an accessible and scalable way in which people can be able to work on specific movement skills that will improve their athletic performance. If we do that, you can work on these every single day. You're not going to overload yourself because the way in which we've set it up is it's not a work, kick your butt kind of workout. It is still a workout. It's still going to be a challenge, but it's a challenge because it's based on the actual movement skill sets themselves. So I don't usually teach, you know, 250 different movements to the athletes that I get to coach one-on-one. We stick to the fundamentals. And once you do that fundamental really well, then we add a complexity to it. So there's going to be a graded exposure over time in the smart dosage that will allow the athlete to be able to develop in a safe way. And that way we don't have kids that are coming in thinking that they're here to work out and work out really hard. And the harder that they work, the better their outcome. That's one ideology we need to squash in sport. It's not how hard you work. We want to put in a concerted effort, but we want to be efficient in our means in which we do that because I need to be able to balance out the challenge with my body's ability to adapt. And the only way it adapts is if it allow, I allow it to rest. And so what we're having is if we have kids that are constantly going to four hour tennis, ma- tennis practices in 90 degree heat, which is what we see down here, right? Then their opportunity for adaptability at a biological level is suppressed, right? It's stunted because biology is going to be stunted because it's constantly under stress thermoregulatory stress, the stress of the biomechanics and the stress of the bioenergetics that happens as a result of practicing for that long. So your energy systems are going to be stressed or your cardiovascular system, your muscular system and fascial system and neurological system is going to be stressed. So what we have to do is we have to find a real systematic, simple way in which we deliver these little daily challenges that you could work on to make sure that you are getting the most out of your development over time. And so that's why we're drip feeding them one week at a time, as opposed to daily is that we want you to be able to get really good at these particular movement skills. And then once you become efficient at them and you become more economical, which means I can do them for a longer period of time without actually any real challenge to my muscular system, to my fascial system, to my neurological system, then we add complexity to it. And so it's a really easy, scalable way that we can teach athleticism so that we get efficient, economical outcomes for the kids. Right. That's a great way to put it. And so let's just say I'm, you know, a, a, a father of an athlete and uh, I want to put them on the grip platform. Um, what are my expectations? I don't know what each particular person's expectations are because that will really, that question needs to be answered from that particular one. But what I could say you will get out of this platform is not only just a consistent message, but you're also going to have a consistent programmer developing this over time, which is going to be me. 
And so you're going to get somebody with 25 years experience of coaching, you know, as many as 100 to 150 sessions every month for 25 years, um, developing these programs, but implementing these particular sessions for people in a fun way that's really easy to be able to handle. So it will be accessible. You'll be able to do it off your phone, right? So they'll be able to click on it and be able to do it anywhere, whether in their park or they're in their backyard or in their basement. They'll be able to do these just about anywhere. Um, and it's going to be used with some equipment and some things that are very accessible. And so um, if I was to say to that dad, you know, if, if you really wanted to help your child develop in a way that they're not getting it from their sport and they're not getting it from physical education because that's being cut in schools and they're not getting it from the ability to go play with their friends and just learn and do things. This would be your next best option yeah. is that now at least you've got a consistent product that the kids can start playing with and start enjoying and looking forward to tracking their progress and being able to connect with other kids that are also doing it. Well, and, and mom and dad watching, um, every, every kid that, or every athlete that signs up uh, to the grip platform, we give mom or dad a free membership to either follow along with, uh, with your athlete or uh, better yet, you're even participating along with them as well. So um, that's another just great opportunity, I think, for yeah. uh, what we're going to be providing uh, moving forward. And a big reason we wanted to put these out like in, in the way that we're putting them out is that the athlete and the parent can use them when they want to. So these aren't live classes. They're, they're actually mm -hmm. workouts and work-ins that you can access at any time uh, on your schedule because we know what young athlete schedules look like these days. Yeah. So, um, no, that's, that's great, John. Uh, thanks for the explanation on all this. I want to wind it back to kind of the beginning of the interview and uh, – ask you uh, another question I like to ask all of our guests and that is all the sport that you played as a as a youngster you obviously never went pro uh, it was probably at one point a dream of yours as, as a young athlete um, what are some things sport taught you that helped you um, with what you're doing now because you're doing a pretty amazing you're you're doing what you love you're getting paid for it how did how did sport contribute to some of uh, some of that? progression in your life yeah I think um if, the, if you're ever going to do anything really well um and have a real love for it you're gonna have to have a passion for it and so I knew like at a very early age that I was either gonna play sport for a living or I was gonna coach or I was gonna be an athletic trainer or something but it would be involved in sport and I was fortunate enough to just immediately fall in love with movement and that was the foundation of everything I was constantly moving constantly playing whether it was playing with your toy guns, running around, running around town or being on your bike or on your skateboard, there wasn't a, a day that went by that I probably didn't have eight hours of physical activity, just burning around and having a great time doing it. And, um, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a, in a very small town that made that accessible where, you know, nobody locked their doors. And, you know, if you fell down and scraped your knee, you could go to the nearest house and knock on the door and they'd take care of you. And so it was, uh, it was a great opportunity to do that. I think the one thing that uh, sport does is that it creates a, a commonality and a village. 
um, you will build relationships through sport and you're going to build relationships um, with people that give you the opportunity to help you grow. And so coaching has always been such an amazing part of that for me personally, is that I've been able to harvest some amazing relationships with people all over the world. I, I get the opportunity to coach all over the world. And I spend most of my time uh, when I'm not with athletes, coaching other coaches and educating them. And so I get to travel to conferences all over the world, meet people and, and do lots of great, cool presentations and get to go and attend other presentations and learn from other coaches. And so um, the biggest thing that came from sport for me was never quitting. I never wanted to get beat. You know, I was a very competitive person. Uh, still am. I don't, I don't like anyone showing me up. Um, I don't like losing. <laughs> I don't like, uh, I don't like failing, but failure is important because that's how you learn. And so it's okay to not be great at something because it gives you the opportunity to constantly get better. Yeah. And so I still do that to this day. I wake up every morning and I open up a book and I study. It's because I know I can become a better coach if I do that. Just like any other athlete or myself growing up, just like going to the baseball diamond and throwing the ball a million times in different ways just to try and get better at becoming more accurate and precise. You just keep working on it and working on it and working on it because you truly love doing it. And if you really love sport and you love getting better at specific skill sets and then challenging yourself with it, you're going to love grit because that's what we've built it on. We've built it on, you know, my probably 17 or 18 years of competitive sport and then 25 years of coaching. Um, that these are the things that I've learned. These are the things that you've learned, Dan. And these are things that we want to pay back to the community and that community of sport in Canada and around the world. And if we can do that in a way that's systematic and in a way that kind of harnesses people's passion for sport and activity and movement in whatever ways, it doesn't mean this, we're going to try to develop you to become a professional athlete. The odds are stacked against us. You know, um, for me, I should have picked my parents better. <laughs> that was a joke. My parents were amazing. Um, but the cool part about all of this is that our goal is to develop you to use sport to help you learn really cool skill sets, not only just in movement, but in life. And if you can move for life, you will move for a very long time. And so there's always an athlete in all of us parents. There was an athlete in you at one point in time, right? right? So get on the platform and start applying these, these principles. You're going to have the opportunity to start out at, the first flagship program, if you want, which is the get going program, start following that program. And over time, there will be an increase in complexity and increase in intensity as you go through the platform. So get involved in it, get moving and get the opportunity to uh, live a long, healthy, productive lifestyle. I love that, John. I mean, it's uh, the grit community is what we're, we're building. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just if, if you're an athlete on our platform, just know you've got us in your corner uh, from day one, and uh, we're here to support you and, and your development. And uh, so happy to have you on the show here, John. Uh, Thanks, bud. What, what you built, it's pretty incredible. And I uh, can't wait to uh, get some athletes on here and um, start moving. All right, buddy. All right, take care. Thanks for having me. All right, see you, folks. Bye. Enjoy.